In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. I'm here with my co-host, Jack Duffin. Jack, how are you? I'm good. Good, good. And we've got a special guest in today, Jack. I always have a special guest. You promised me Ruta, who I'm, I'm pleased to now announce you heard about Ruta in our last podcast. Ruta has now been officially adopted as the official mascot for our podcast. Yeah. And our wonderful guest today, our first guest in the studio from the States, from Ohio, Greg Elmore. How are you, Greg? Brilliant. Brilliant. Glad to be here. Good, good, good. Greg, thank you very much for coming in. Uh, we'll get the um, receipts for your flights coming all the way over. So, yeah, Greg, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, yeah, what are you up to? Yeah. Thank you for having me. This is, a, uh, this is quite an uh, honor to be with the legendary Paul Brown. <laughs> this, uh, I'm not the legendary Paul Brown. I'm the second Paul Brown. In, your, Paul in Brown. your own world, you're the legendary Paul okay. Brown. No, I, um, I, uh, I moved here uh, with my family uh, from, from the States uh, in October, um, exactly two days before the Browns uh, played, their, uh, played their game here at Twickenham. So, um, so, Greg, you're telling me Browns comes to London, then you move to London. Absolutely. Pick up the family, move here, move careers, everything, move it over here for the uh, Browns game. Greg Absolutely. is a legend. Uh, that's commitment <laughs> yeah and uh yeah so t- tell us a little bit more so um how long have you been a Browns fan for yeah so I um so I've been a Browns fan I would call it since August of 1977 when I was uh born in the hospital uh where I grew up in, in Shelby County Ohio and uh was born um it came out and the doctor just I slipped right out of the doctor's hands and, and fell and dropped me on my head and that's when I became a Browns fan pretty yeah. much Great moment. Good, good. <laughs> and I can just share that, um, you know, I, I guess my love for the Browns started when I was, uh, you know, call it eight, nine years old, and uh, which is kind of old enough to realize what football was and to follow it. And uh, I, and Shelby County, if you look on the map, um, the towns of Sydney and Jackson Center is right in the middle of Dayton and Lima, Ohio, on the west side of the state. And it's kind of a, I would call it a, a dividing line between uh, you're either a Bengals fan in the south of Cincinnati, boo, or you're a Browns fan uh, up north. Um, so half of my family is, is Bengals fans, half of my family is Browns fans. Nice. So my uh, my father is a, uh, is a very uh, uh, diehard Bengals fan. Oof. My brother is a diehard Bengals fan. Oof. I have uncles that are Browns fans. I have Wee. uncles that are Bengals fans. Um, so it was it was quite the fun rivalry, and uh, it was in the you know in that time period it was the mid to late '80s, and uh, I had a choice to make: do I like the Bengals or do I like the Browns? And that was honestly it was kind of the time when it was uh, Boomer Sison was quarterback for the Bengals and Bernie Kosar was the uh, quarterback for the Browns, um, and there was something about those '80s Browns teams that I just loved. I mean, I loved the whole. Uh, my first poster in my bedroom as a, as a boy was uh, Webster Slaughter. Um, and you look back at the, uh, you know, the, uh, the Minifield Dixon, um, Biner, Mac, I mean, just that team. And, uh, what really, uh, 
steal the deal as a Browns fan when I was when I was young. I I, uh, I sent a letter to Bernie Kosar, wrote him a letter and said, "Hey, would you would you mind sending me an autograph?" And then within a week later, I had an autograph picture from Bernie in the mail. Um, Good man. And then that sold my uh, sold my uh, my deal to become a Browns fan. So I've been a Browns fan ever since. Okay, good, good. So, yeah. Who's your current favorite uh, Browns player? I mean, for the last several years, how could you not like Joe Thomas is your favorite player, right? Um, I got my uh, I got my big old 73 on right now. Um, I just love what he brought to the Browns. I mean, just the class act, the Iron Man, they called him, uh, played every snap. I mean, just an incredible career. And, uh, um, you know, so now he's not current anymore because he, uh, you know, I bought this I bought this jersey and then two weeks later he retired. <laughs> um, but I have to say that my, my favorite current player, even though he hasn't played an official game yet, has to be Jarvis Landry. Um, I'm excited for what he brings to the team. But I know Jack is really upset with the signing of that as much as we paid him. Um, but I think that there's a price to pay for the much-needed leadership that the Browns need um, and the work ethic that he's bringing and the, uh, and the team spirit and, and, and wanting to win. Um, and uh, I, I guess he's been balling out every single, every single practice, and I just can't wait to see what he does, and I just love his attitude. So that's, that's going to be my current favorite player, and I expect uh, huge things out of him this year. Yeah, Greg, I'm definitely Team Greg on that point. I feel sorry for you guys and just an advance warning to Browns Twitter Browns fans and all of our listeners you're going to be sick by the end of this season of Tyrod Taylor to Jarvis Landry on third and nine and it goes for four yards so uh, just get ready guys it's uh, a lot of money for nothing I would I was against it but after the trade I was like well they've not given him a long term deal it's for one year we'll get the off field benefits and then we'll move him on and we'll get that third or fourth round back if we play free agency right so I was like it took me a week I sort of cried a bit to myself thought bring back Sashi but then after that I thought actually could be a good move for one year and then they gave me the extension and uh, I broke down sorry mate, guys mate he's a superstar he's in a wide receiver room mate we've got to be positive about it can I just ask one question and I don't How? think he's going to play the slot the entire time I think they have bigger plans for him. We'll see, because Josh Gordon's been out, and Corey Coleman's now gone, and lo and behold, with Callaway and... Team Callaway. Callaway and Higgins playing wide receiver, they still had him in the slot today. And the other thing that really worries me is, if he was that good, why is the team trying to dump him for a fourth-round pick? (laughs) Okay, let's go go straight to Coleman. (laughs) Coleman's worth a seven-round pick. If if team doesn't want someone, then then they move on. So, uh, mate, I'm I'm definitely pro uh, Landry. I'm so happy he's uh, in our in our team. I'm gonna leave. Cheers, anyway, guys. <laughs> anyway, let's keep this on, uh, Greg. Uh, yeah, Greg. Uh, obviously, we're based in uh, London. Have you been seeing any um, UK soccer yet at all? No, I've got it on my radar. Definitely want to do it this year. I uh, I, I know that the uh, as we would call it, soccer. It's very. Uh, it's a very passionate, uh, you know, uh, uh, debate uh, among many here in the uh, in the country, and uh, I've actually used it as quite the uh, quite the introduction of I guess you can call banter in the office of okay. of, of, of talking about uh, 
my uh, my coworkers' favorite uh, favorite teams and, and asking if there was one team that you could pick who you wouldn't want me to root for, who would it be? And that's typically the team that I, I typically root for when I talk to that person. So I haven't exactly found a team. Um, I I think it would be fun if, if we've got some time at a podcast in the off offseason, um, if we, we come in and maybe we uh, look at the uh, situation, put some names in a hat, draw it out for me, that may be the thing to do. Um, but uh, definitely not Man United, though. Okay, good man. You're in London, so you've got to be a London club. Me, Jack, Chelsea fans. Um, we've also got many tickets. And uh, Greg, we can sort you out some Chelsea tickets. And actually, so, you know, near Chelsea, if I, if I were to pick one team that's kind of um, intrigues me a little bit, um, is one of my favorite uh, players growing up that played for the Columbus Crew, which, you know, is Major League Soccer yep. in Ohio, is a, is a gentleman named Brian McBride who played for Fulham. And uh, I feel like I could root for the, for Fulham if, uh, if need yeah. be. Fulham are a very neutral club in London. Yeah. Um, they've come up through the ranks, haven't got huge uh, it's not like big money like It's not big money yeah. like Chelsea. F- Fulham is like that sort of little brother that you've got. They, they think they're just as good as you, but when it comes to a scrap, they're punching around your kneecaps. And you pat them on the head and it's just like, we like you, but... Don't get too far ahead. But the, the key thing is, you're not a Liverpool fan because the door's just there. And if you want to throw the L word out, <laughs> please leave. <laughs> uh, just for our um, US fans over there, who would you say Fulham are the most uh, similar to in the NFL? They're sort of the three other teams alongside the Patriots in the uh, East. Of They're the teams that the Patriots don't worry about. They pat them on the head. But if you ask a Jets, Bills or Dolphins fans, they're neck and neck with the Patriots every year. So it's that sort of pat them on the head mentality. And uh, they think they're this is going to be the year. Kind of sounds like the, dol- the Dolphins. Yeah. A little bit. Mm. The Dolphins. I'll tell you all three. You see them all online every year. It's like, this is going to be the year. And I still think it would be a fun uh, a fun podcast to, uh, to line up you know, the Premier League clubs. As to what would be the most comparable team in the NFL, I think that'd be a fun, uh, be a fun podcast. Browns, for who are the Browns? Who are the Browns? Aston Villa, obviously with a connection and big fan base, not well, doing very well. There's only 20 teams in the Premier League, and there's obviously 32 in the NFL. So the Browns would have been relegated. So find some team like in the yeah, Villa. Uh, Southampton. I think, <laughs> I think I think Leeds United or Aston Villa. That's my view. <laughs> Aston Villa. I think Leeds is a potentially good shout there. They were good about 20 years ago, and since then it's been downhill. So I think, yeah, Leeds. Leeds are on the way up, so are Browns. So, uh, and, uh, yeah, question uh, for you, Greg. Uh, I'm coming out to uh, Cleveland. I'm doing 24 hours in Cleveland in October. What would you recommend the first thing I do when I land in Cleveland? So... Cleveland is underrated for having the the two most just best I would call museums or or, 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 or yeah museums in, in the world. Number one is you got obviously got the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yep, you got to make a stop at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Incredible venue right there on the lake. Um, just uh, just a great time. And secondly, if you can, if you if you can squeeze in a few hours, take that one hour drive south down to Canton, and you got to go to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I mean, to have Pro Football Hall of Fame and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in the same town, that's just incredible. Um, So those would be my two big things to do. Um, You've got to spend quality time. If you're going to the Browns game, you've got to do the proper American tailgating um, in the the Muni lot. 
Um, that is classic. Uh, that is just classic. And people ask me the difference between uh, living over here and, and coming from the states. Uh, the states. What I what I miss here is is just the um, is just the, the whole tailgating, uh, both at the university level and in the NFL. It's just a uh, it's just an incredible um, incredible time before the game. So uh, so definitely uh, spend some time hanging out with real Browns fans in the, in the Muni lot. Good good. And um, since you've been here, what do you think the general feel for the NFL is like in the UK? That's a good question. I, uh, I I ask a lot of my uh, my, my coworkers. I, I talk to them on a daily basis. I, I ask around the neighborhood, and um, I think that there is just a, there's a lot of intrigue about the NFL. Yep. Um, I still think it is. I still think it's a bit confusing. And, yep. and and I I look at it as it's like when an English person tries to explain cricket to me. I look at him like I have no idea what you're talking about yeah. right now. How can I? How could a match go for two weeks and, and still end up in a draw? Yeah. You know, uh, I, I can kind of see I can kind of see the similarity, um, but I still think that there's a lot of interest. And um, I, I even in the uh, I guess it's been nine months that I've been here. I, I've I've seen that interest get get higher and higher and higher. Um, and so I do envision a day, call it in five to ten years, where there is a team here. All right, good. And a last last question. Tell us the difference. Living in London, living in uh, Cleveland, what's the um, what are the two differences between the two cities to live? Yeah, so uh, you know I've had the pleasure of, of obviously growing up in Ohio um, and going to university there, but I've spent the last fifteen years in uh, in the New Jersey, New York City market. Um, so I've lived in in, in in a couple different areas. Um, but uh, but London is great. I mean, this is such a, just a, just an incredible town. Um, we we live in a really great area in South London, um, and the people have been incredibly uh, incredibly friendly. Um, the you know since we've been here, I think we've had the best weather on record, right? The best summer ever. And I've been here for the World Cup, in which England made it to the semifinals. I mean, just two epic. Uh, and it's funny because I, I've I've become English in the fact that I've learned two things that's necessary for any conversation here. Is number one is moan about the weather in some way, and then moan <laughs> about sport in another way. Good, good. Um, so I feel like I'm I'm blending right in uh, into the uh, culture here. Uh, good, good. He, he started to ask the question. And I reached over to Paul, I was ready to write on his paper. I said, you've got to ask him about the weather. What is it like coping with the weather in the UK? Because it might be a shock to people overseas, but we've had sun for more than three days a year. And we're not used to that over here, guys. We're just not used to it. Cleveland summers, a lot better than here in London. Uh, hot, hot yeah. and humid. Yeah, okay. And humid. Uh, not, not necessarily get the humidity over here. Um, the biggest, the challenge over here is, is that there's really no air conditioning, you know, in, in the housing here. So, um, so it's been really, really hot the last six weeks, as you guys know. Um, so that's been the biggest adjustment that we've had to make. Okay. But Good. but but summers in Cleveland are are incredible. But on the lake, yeah, it's beautiful. Nice, nice. Have you got nice? You've got a boat on the lake still or not? No. <laughs> uh, there goes my invite, Jack. I was hoping to get on the. I was hoping to uh, next time. I'm I got a few contacts though. I got a few contacts. contacts. Excellent. And guys, yeah. Anyone in Cleveland wants to come to London, me and Jack will definitely host you and look after you. Would love you guys to come over. You can get flights these days for three to five hundred bucks. Come over for a weekend and we can look after you. Um, so, Jack, you're poking me, you're prodding me. There's some breaking news. There is some breaking news, and uh, it it's not good. The rumours is that Callaway has been caught having weed under his front seat according to Tony Grossi and we've heard it all I've seen everyone on Twitter 
that isn't any lover of that move and has supported John Dorsey throughout and said, oh, don't worry, we're getting rid of Corey Coleman, we've got Josh Gordon, we've got Jarvis Landry, and we've got Callaway. Callaway is going to be the best wide receiver as a rookie the world's ever seen. And since 2014, we haven't seen really any wide receiver come out in the first eight eight games of the season and produce. Sort of, you, you saw Juju last year sort of come out late on in the season and start doing wonderful things. Fair play to him. Hopefully, Haley will be able to do that for us. But oh, I've I've seen everything online now. I've <laughs> I, I've had a friend, my boy Lee. He's just just come out and uh, he said the only reason Corey Coleman got cut is because he was the one encouraging Callaway to have the weed. So <laughs> even though this happened before Corey Coleman was sort of booted around the same time, I think we've heard it all and. It just goes to show you that you can't have enough wide receivers. You've got to have four starter-level wide receivers, and it's, it's infuriating. What we could do, and if, if anyone's got a number there for the Buffalo Bills, I'm willing to put on the drunk call and go, sorry guys, someone slipped up on the email yesterday. We didn't want to trade him for a seventh. How about we give you a sixth <laughs> and you send Corey Coleman back to us? So, uh, any, anyone got an email or phone number? Send it over, guys. We're willing to help out, mate. I'm online now, and he's um, on. Mate, he's on the training pitch at the moment. He's on the training pitch, and the shocking thing about this is Tony Gross has come out and said, while the media all know about it, apparently no one in the Browns is quite aware of what's going on. And yeah, he's he's out there practicing, and this shouldn't be a surprise. This is a player that had a, a rumored. Uh, we sample at the combine that was diluted. We've had a player sat out the last year because of previous off the field issues, and no rookie, rookie, I'm going Star Wars here. Rookie wide receiver has come out and produced in the NFL. So for anyone out there going, Callaway's been awesome. We're going to rely on him to be the goat this year. Team Callaway. Yeah. We've had some crazy people like Paul predict him as the reception leader. <laughs> Hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. About half an hour ago, he was in pole position. <laughs> mate. He's in pole position. Yeah, He's not even our best receiver. He We've was going to be. Back, a tight end and a wide receiver better than Callaway. Mate, he was in pole position half an hour ago. And then this happens. Um, mate, so are you telling me this is a, um, this is a world podcast exclusive that we've got the news before the Browns is that what you're saying I'm willing to go out there and just ask if anyone from any of the 31 franchises in the NFL wants to trade for John Dorsey he's now on the trading block oh, there we go so, so Jack's pro Sashi Brown so you want to get Sashi Brown back yeah I want Sashi Brown to be the next vice president of trading <laughs> assets away for the Cleveland Browns Great. because this man got a fourth round pick for a punter a punter. They're not even real people. And then a fifth round pick for Cam Irving. Cam Irving couldn't even make the nine-man O-line roster for the Cleveland Browns. And what do we get? John Dorsey. One of the most talented, physically able to produce wide receivers that we've seen in recent years. And we got a future seventh round pick. It's saddening. Anyway, Greg, I apologise for Jack. Um, I'm emotional. <laughs> 
look, the only one thing I'll say about Sashi Brown, at least we know he would pull the deal at the last minute. If we had him, he would have pulled that Coleman deal. And uh, yeah. Our starting quarterback this season, it, if Hugh and Haslam would have had their way, is currently sat third on the depth chart for the Buffalo Bills, which, and I know our quarterback room was bad last year, there's rumours, and I, I, I'm, I might be close to believing this, that the Buffalo Bills might have actually assembled a quarterback room worse than the Cleveland Browns last year. And you've got to feel sorry for Corey Coleman. Corey Coleman went from catching passes, in the loosest terms you've ever heard, from Deshaun Kaiser, to potentially trying to catch whatever earth. And up. it's harsh to call it a pass from either Nate Peterman or Josh Allen. So whatever he's done in a former life, the sun is not shining on Corey Coleman. Jack, I'm a little bit worried about this, to be honest, mate, because I think Coleman may get the last laugh. He may just prove us all wrong. Mate, he's fast. Um, he's physical. He, he runs well. Mate, I, 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 mate, I think, um, yeah, he's got a new start. He's out to prove Brown's wrong. I'm, I am scared about this, to be honest. He's going to do everything he can. and I think there's lessons to learn around the NFL. And did our podcast the other day. I've had more time to reflect on it. And there's two players I'd like to bring up when you think about the Corey Coleman trade. The first is Nelson Aguilar. And lots of people have never heard of him up until the second half of last season when he produced in fantasy and everyone jumped on him. And our, our old man's up past one of them players that grabbed him. Didn't start him because he was too inconsistent week to week. But Nelson Aguilar was selected in the first round of the 2015 NFL Draft and he did nothing for two years. And when I mean nothing, I mean almost as bad, if not as bad, as Corey Coleman. And then the fans were calling for his head, but... The Eagles held strong, and what did he do last year? Stepped up to the plate the third year, which is the key year for any wide receiver, and he delivered. He's made that massive step forward, and he's done things. And the other thing, and I really fear for this as Browns fans who've got a history of getting on their on the back of any first-round draft picks, we've just got rid of Corey Coleman, an elite athletic receiver with amazing raw ability, but a problem for catching the ball. And while you think Corey Coleman might be the only one we have, I seriously fear for what lots of Browns fans out there are going to think of David Njoku. David Njoku, for me, is one of the most exciting tight ends in the entire NFL, but has an issue, which I genuinely believe he'll be able to overcome, of questionable catches. And I just fear that we're going to have lots of fans out there that are going to be calling for his head after week three or four and he makes a couple of drops. And so just bear with him. And for any of them fans go, no, no, we'd never question David Njoku. What he's done is not that different to Corey Coleman on the field. And there, oh, there's some really strong and questionable stuff that's come out of, about Corey Coleman off the f- field. But we're not going to talk about that. We don't have the proof. But just bear with them. They're young, talented kids. Let them have a go. Jack, I never realised how negative you were, mate. Mate, it's all negative, negative, negative. I'm encouraging belief in Corey Coleman. I was someone going, give the kid a chance. The kid's got talent. Third year, man. That's a a good point, Jack. Cut his head off. It's his his third year. We should definitely give him a go. He must have have done something bad or upsetting something. Um, Greg, 
apologies for Jack again. Um, uh, what's your view on Coleman? I think that there were... I mean, obviously, we don't know for sure. I don't know for sure. But I still think there were off-the-field issues that we, we, we don't know about. I mean, there's been, there's been talk of that. Um, I, I think that there were some work ethic issues. Um, and, I mean, this just comes down to um, when a new GM comes in and they don't see eye to eye with the player or if there's any kind of issues they will be on that first bus out of town. That's typically how it works. They want to bring in their guys. And there's a lot of talk right now in terms of, 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 of Dorsey not being done with trading. I still think that there's more to come. Um, and I think this was all part of the plan was to get him um, is to get him out of here. And I think even if he didn't get a seventh rounder, I, I'm pretty sure he was going to be cut at some point. And now they use that opportunity as a way to recoup some of that money. And you're the salary cap expert, so you know the number. It was like $3.5 million, correct? Just over. But yeah. yeah, so Just I think that that was a three and a half million move that they made um, was to trade it for kind of a, a, a breadbasket, if you will. Yeah, Greg, you know how to massage uh, Jack's ego there, That's... Mr. Cap Space. It's a fair point, though. Three and a half million. No, son, it's it's one of the things I've said to many people when we chat. Um, I think the the trade that made sense if we could have got it off the off season, and I'd have preferred them to do it before it got to training camp. Because if it is off the field issues and they had no confidence in coming back, do it around the draft, get it done then, and just seal it. We saved just over three and a half million, and I would pretend like the front office cares about salary cap, but when you're Looking at the average sort of slot receiver in the NFL being paid three and a half million, and you're giving fifteen and a half million to an above-average slot receiver with a lack of athletic ability, then I question what's going on there. But if they were cutting him, and it's one of them things I say, I would much rather we just had one more year. I think he makes the six quite easily, and you just see what happens because he might have that break off. He might not go anywhere. But I think it was just worth one more year just because it wasn't worth that risk. We'd heard from the likes of Nathan Zagora, Landry had, has a positive, had had a positive effect on him. We've seen him produce, he was rated as sort of, I think it was on two occasions, the player or players of the day by the uh, Cleveland Browns team. So there was some upside there. And I'd have much rather Dorsey prides himself on the... Uh, sort of champion of the bad boys and he'd done it in with uh, Kansas City he's done it with us bringing in the likes of Callaway I'd have just given him that one year I think there's also an element where they wanted to get Rashad Higgins some more touches as well and some more catches he seems to have been really impressing in, in, in camp so far this year and I, I still think there's an element of giving him some field playing time Jack knows where this is coming <laughs> Jack's already laughing <laughs> it's my moment CJ Board, he's coming through. No, it won't just CJ Board. So, the funny thing is, in a previous episode, we, we were chatting. Uh, I don't think if we had a fully operational roster that Higgins makes it. And, uh, <laughs> and the thing is that I fear is, as I said in one of our, I think it was our second episode, it was like we are only a Gordon and Callaway party plus a Corey Coleman handbrake away from having Jarvis Landry plus as our entire wide receiver room. And that is a real fear, though. I fear we might be there now, and that's not going to be good. Jack, so uh, right this second, 
is Higgins our um, uh, number one uh, Higgins receiver. Higgins is a starter. Higgins is a starter for the Cleveland Browns this year, and it's not good. Okay, good, good. Uh, Greg, anything else you want to say on that? But the reports have been that um, Higgins and your and uh, your and uh, your QB that you love, Baker Mayfield, are tied at the hip. And they've been had just have have had a great connection in the uh, in the camp, and so let, let's hope that continues into the season. A hundred percent agree. And the more we can get Baker out there and move the short passing, sack loving QB and Tyrell Taylor on, I, I'm more for. But I think the key thing that the judge has gone on is if you looked at them top wide receivers in our room moving forward and the ones that were practicing with the first team, Higgins never practiced with the first team. So if Corey Coleman would have been with the second team, playing with Baker Mayfield, then I think we'd have seen that better relationship build up because he can rip apart pieces. And, hey, I'll hold my hands up. I'm a a Sashi lover. I think one of the worst things Sashi Brown did in the last two years is that wide receiver room was not good enough. You cannot rely on a first-round pick to do anything in their first two years in the wide receiver room. So I think one of the biggest mistakes Sashi Brown made is having a Corey Coleman go out there and be the lead guy. If you're going to be serious as a franchise moving forward, any of them picks you use, wherever they come in in the draft, other than running back, you don't want to expect anything out of them for the first 12 months. So, Lee, you're going to cherish that moment. You're going to play it back to me every day. Sashi didn't make a mistake. Okay, well done. Jack's finally admitted Sashi made some mistakes. Um, <laughs> Sashi lovers anonymous. While we're in the uh, wide receiver room, uh, what's, what, what do you reckon about uh, Beckham? Landry comes out saying Beckham wants to play for the Browns. Let, Jack, for one second, let's just forget about cap space. I know this is going to kill you. But do you think Dorsey, he has got a bit of reputation of going a bit crazy with the cap space? Could you actually see Beckham uh, come in? Greg, any views on that at all? I wouldn't be surprised. No, I think that um, I think that if they could do it, they would do it. Um, I think it's a combination of money. It's a combination of um, I, I've got to think with the new GM and in, in, um, in in, in with the Giants, as we talked earlier. You know, um, the potential to get their guys in, um, even though it's a superstar in Beckham. Um, uh, I, I think that there's potential for it. It's just a matter of are the Browns willing to give up what they need to to uh, to get him. Yeah. Okay. But just can you imagine a Beckham and Landry combination? Well, it's dreams back to college days and oh. we saw it in college. And I would love us to move Beckham. And I think the one reason why Beckham might be available, and I know you told me not to talk about cap space, <laughs> is because they took Saquon Barkley, and I yeah. think that is the biggest reason why he's available. If they would have taken, whether it's Donald, and there was the rumors out there straight after the draft was. If we wouldn't have taken Baker Mayfield number one, they were not touching Barkley. It was Baker all day long. And I think the reason you look at is if because you move Eli Manning on, you've then got a massive amount of cap space after this season where you can pick up a wide receiver contract of $20 a year. And you don't have to fear because you're saving so much money with a rookie QB that you can afford that. And it wouldn't surprise me if we go for OBJ, the only thing I'm concerned about is how much is it going to take in trade capital. 
I think you're looking at a second or a first. And I think the only reason they're ever looking to trade him is if they accept they're not going to give him the contract. And you look at why was Jarvis Landry on the trade block? Because no other team out there other than us and the Ravens were willing to pay him the money he was offered. So if they're looking at going, right, we're not going to pay him, what's the best they're going to give? There's not many teams out there in the NFL that can afford to pay Odell Beckham $20 million a year. So I think we've got a great shot. Maybe trade him for a second, bring him in. And I think the one thing Browns fans will have to be aware, if we do trade for Odell Beckham Jr., it is the end of Josh Gordon. And I know that's going to hurt fans, but you can't rely on a player that's that unreliable. When he clicks, he's a top five wide receiver. When he doesn't click, you've got nothing. And I'm going to say it's, it's not going to be long. He's not going to get a proper contract if we sign OBJ. And um, yeah, that, gives it, that moves me nicely on. Uh, Greg, um, some pre- predictions from yourself. Uh, we we ask most people when they come on, where do you think Browns will uh, finish uh, in the uh, division this year? I'm going to say third, and I think that they will. Um, I think the Bengals will finish fourth. Really? Okay. And do you? Um, I went with second, a little bit more positive than you, Greg. <laughs> um, but I still have them winning six games, though. <laughs> so six and ten is the yeah. uh, is the prediction for the uh, for win loss. I think I went with. I think I went six myself as well, Greg. Yeah, um, but yeah. Um, okay, good. And uh, uh, Tyro Taylor, how many yards do you think he's going to throw? I think they're going to go a little bit more of a run game than we think they are this year. So I'm going to put him down for 3,200 yards. Okay. Yeah, I went crazy with, I think, the 4,000. So, uh, Greg, that's a lot more uh, sensible than myself. Um, how many uh, full quarters do you think Mayfield will play? I went a little high on this. I think he legitimately will play about 20 quarters. 20? Yes. Wow. So that's I'm anticipating five games. Five games, yeah? Yeah. Rumours are that he's going to be starting against the uh, Giants or be playing quite a lot. Play quite a lot. Yep. Play quite a lot. So, um, yeah, let's see. Because if you think about it, their bye week is week 11. Yep. Right? Um, so they've got those games afterwards. Is that going to be the crucial point where they may be 3-7, and seven, they may be 2-8, and eight, they may be 4-6, and six, and then do they decide at that point to see what they've got with them? I think that could be the crucial turning point. Yeah. Um, okay, good. And uh, how many sacks do you think uh, Garrett will get this season? I've got him down for 12. I think he's going to have a monster year. Yeah. I went with eight. Okay, so um, yeah, it, it's fully possible. Um, I've uh, I don't know if you've seen it popped up on my uh, phone. Uh, Joel um, Batonio's playing a, a left tackle at the moment, and uh, Garrett's getting nowhere near him, the quarterback at the moment. So uh, let let let's see what happens there. I'm hoping that's that's good news about Batonio. Yeah, what, what, Greg, what's your view on that? Him playing uh, left tackle. I think out of all of the, I know there's been a lot of talk in terms of the offensive line being the biggest worry for the Browns. Um, I, I think I feel most confident about that. I know for them they considered option Z, but that had to have been option A all along because Petonio is clearly the, the, the best in the offensive line, and you got to move him over. So I think it's going to work out fine. Yeah. Uh, best rookie of the year? I'm going to go with Nick Chubb. Same as me again. Good. Yeah. Um, do you think he's going to start a lot of the, the first few games? No, I think it's going to take a little bit of time, um, but I, I think he's just going to have a monster year in his rookie year. Running backs tend to have 
running backs tend to have monster monster years, um, and I think he will. Okay, good. One one player that gets a Pro Bowl. This one could be a little shocking, um, and especially your commentary earlier. Um, but I'm going to say Njoku is going to make it to the Pro Bowl this year. Jack, what's your view on that, mate? Yes! Oh, I'd, I'd love... and I, I think it could be a genuinely great chance. I love David Njoku, so don't get me wrong. I just worry that fickle Brown fans and... Sorry, guys. I know there's a few out there, but fingers crossed, 99% of the people that listen to this podcast aren't. Don't just go, oh, he dropped two passes, cut him. So I love David Njoku. I think he's going to be absolute worldy. So, yes, I endorse that message. So, uh, Jack, I'm going to jump in the uh, high park if uh, when we win our first game. Uh, what are you going to do if uh, David's a pro bowler? David's a pro bowler? What do you want me to do? Skinhead. Well, that's happening naturally, so <laughs> oh. let's go for something a little bit bolder. Um. Bolder, not bolder. Mm, let me come back, let me think about that. Um, we'll, uh, we'll have a think. Maybe... maybe parrot parrot tattoo? No, I'm not doing tattoos. Oh, okay. Um, Hugh Jackson, we are a pro Hugh Jackson uh, show, Greg. So uh, be careful what you say here, please. How many games do you think you'll survive? <laughs> <laughs> and what we will be saying you ask we're a pro Hugh Jackson podcast which is only you because I can't stand him and then you go how many games is this going to survive <laughs> I went with no actually pointing oh. to the fact that when you say survive <laughs> you know it's going to be 16 I will actually break the tie and I'm pro Hugh Jackson as well team Greg I'm leaving I think he's a good coach. I I, I, I think that he, he he did make some poor decisions in, in, in game time game time situations last year. I mean, I think that there are two or three games that you really could point to him. Um, but I look at it as he had zero talent to work with, and um, I I think he uh, I think he's going to really bounce back this year. And um, I'm, I'm I'm actually pro Hugh Jackson. Good good. So like me, Greg, whole season. I would love to see him get the whole season. Um, I think that if 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 it's not trending in the right direction, I don't know that it will still even be a quick. I, I still think we still have to look at that bye week in week eleven, as we talked just a minute ago. Is is are they three and seven at the time? Are they two and eight? You know, then I think that that's a decision to be made. So, Greg, what's your final uh, call on this? Week six. Week six. Greg, you're not that pro, Hugh Jackson. No. Can I ask one person that probably watches more college than each of us? So I'm, I'm not going to call that a bold take because we don't really get much college over here. If Hugh Jackson gets sacked, who in a year's time do you want to be our new head coach? Oh, Bill Belichick's not available, so I'm just, I'm just going <laughs> to let you know. I think that it's a great question. Um, you know, it's interesting because there's always been this debate in the States as to whether successful college coaches can make that transition to the NFL. Um, and I think there's so many cases where it has not worked, yeah. right? Um, so I tend to think about the up-and-coming NFL, NFL assistant coaches who have done their time, worked with the players. Um, and so I don't know if I can tell you right off the top of my head right now, um, but there are definitely a few um, 
that maybe you'll think about during this podcast to come back. But um, I would I would go more uh, on the experience of NFL experience versus college experience. If I had to throw you two names, I'm going to go. What once had previous Browns experience, John D. Filippo, good spell with in the past year. Or I'm going to throw the other one, Lincoln Riley, Oklahoma, Baker Ty had a lot of love. Over 20 NFL coaches have reached out to him to speak to him in the last year. So if I had to give you the choice, that is the two I'm nailing down to. Who are you going for? Out of those two? One's had good NFL experience. One's had great college experience. It's bold. In that case, I would, I would, I would go with the bold choice. I would go with Lincoln Riley. I just think that the Baker connection was just too strong there. Too strong. And if you if you if you know he's going to be your franchise and you're going to build your offense around him, who better to do that? Yeah, fair play. Uh, the interesting thing to know, there's um, some great stuff out there. Um, I remember reading a fantastic article recently on Inside the Pylon, looking at uh, Lincoln Riley's offense, and really fascinating how he builds. Nearly all of his plays comes from a two running back set, which is quite unusual in the NFL. Over 50% of plays from every single team come from 11 personnel. So we could see some really fascinating stuff come out from that. Okay. Just to uh, clarify again, we are a Hugh Jackson pro show, so we're going to quickly move on. Go Hugh. Go Hugh. 50%. Yeah, with the London connections, Hugh. It's named after you, so I'll I'll give you 60. 60. Okay. Um, Browns player with the most receiving yards. I think that question depends on how they will use Jarvis Landry, as we talked earlier. Um, I think that they use him outside the slot, which I think that they will end up doing. I think he gets the, the, the most yardage. Um, I think Njoku's going to be up there as well. I'm going I'm to I'm go in for the high five there. That was my bold pick, because he's the guy. It's just, there is so much excitement about David Njoku. I sat there all of last season, and there was two words... I shouted at the TV endlessly. If we're on offense, we're shouting in Joku. If we're on defense, I was shouting Ogan Joby. Those are two players that they just didn't get enough snaps. They are incredible talents. Get them out there more. And you know another talent that we never use that we should use more PCB. of? PCB. Duke Johnson. And if I'm not mistaken, he was our number one receiving person correct. last year, correct? Yep. yep. I think there's there's more there's more potential there. Yeah. He's he was I, I listened to um, a podcast and he was on there talking about how he wants to be a, a wide receiver, and he's saying he's really adamant about it as well. What, what, why is he not a wide receiver? Well, it I'd say it's quite obvious from my perspective because I want my players to be athletic. That he is the best slot wide receiver on our entire franchise. And yes, I include Jarvis Landry in that, but if you look at Jarvis Landry's metrics, Danny Vitale is more athletic than Jarvis Landry. And he's probably got the best hands on our roster. I'm not going to deny that with Jarvis. But if I'm Duke, I'm looking at... Look at the way the NFL structured. Running back careers. Once you're 29, you may as well pack it up and give up in most cases. So if you can look at it and go, right, I'm going to get more money, I'm going to have a longer career, and I'm one of our best slot receivers in the team, that's a good move. But then you look at what he did for our franchise last year. 
when we gave him more touches, we got more points, and we got nearer to a win. So I'd say, if we're going to have a four-receiver set this year, pop him as that second-slot receiver, and if not, is the best. If you take out sort of the third-down backs, your Bells, your Gurleys, he's the best receiving back in the entire NFL, and I'm on record that. Bite me. Okay. Um, Browns player with the most yards carried. I'm going to go with rookie of the year as well, uh, Nick Chubb. Um, I, I think Hyde it may get some of the what I would call goal line um, stuff or, or, or some of the really, you know, that third and one. But I think Chubb is going to be the really dynamic playmaker um, that's going to get five, six, seven yards carry. Um, so I, I, think, uh, I think he'll get the most. So you definitely think he'll get to do more than uh, Duke Johnson? Yeah, because I think they're I think they have plans to really move him outside and move him into that a um, little bit more of a, of a of a receiver position. It sounds like Greg's just listened to like our podcast where we, us two predicted this <laughs> stuff. He's just cut it straight down the middle. The first like ten predictions, he's gone with everything Paul went for, and the second ten predictions, he's just gone everything Jack went for, and. Uh, I'm liking the second half more than the first half. <laughs> but isn't it great that we're having these conversations to say, okay, between Hyde, Johnson, and Chubb, who's going to get the most yards? It's a great conversation to have. It used to be so many of our conversations about the Browns were, who's the best of the worst options, really? <laughs> Let's be honest, especially at the quarterback position. Now we're talking about who's the best of the best options that we've got. So I'm on record with my prediction of the week where it moves from Hyde to Chubb what week are you predicting in our season when Chubb stops as the rushing leader and even the most yards are sort of a running back and it moves over to Chubb? And I think it will move that way. I think Duke's going to lead the pure receiving yards, but between them two, Chubb and Hyde, what week do you think it moves over from one to the other? Well, Greg's doing his deep research. I'm going to go with week 12. Week 12? Yeah. That's on record, guys. That's on record. I'm looking at week six or seven. Week six Chargers, week seven Buccaneers. They will have just lost in week four against the Raiders. They're at the Raiders. Come on, Greg, let's be a bit more positive. Um, <laughs> the Ravens, I think, is really a toss-up in week five. Um, yep. If you look at the six wins that I've got, I've got them actually beating all three of our teams in that AFC North for the first time. I think they'll beat all of our all of those teams once. Um, and Steelers I think, first game. I think we could beat them the first Greg. game. I'm on board with that. Love this man. That should have been the first half of the ten questions. <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, yeah, you, you were very close to me there. I said the first four weeks is the leader, and then after week four, that is the week when you, you find out whoever it is in your fantasy league that's got Chubb, give him a ring and go. I've got Hyde. Hyde's getting more yards than Chubb. Do you fancy a trade? And after week four, trade that. Even if you need to throw a little bit in on the side, throw some like dirty punter in that you've got, and uh, as Sashi would do, and then you just run away from it and laugh all day long because that's the week when, after four weeks of sort of you running back not producing in Chubb, that you're going to go, it's time to move him on. Week five, Chubb all day long, ride it into the sunset. Um, Browns player with the most in, uh, interceptions. That's a tough one um, because 
I don't think we know for sure who that second cornerback is going to be, right? Um, they all seem to be playing pretty well in camp. Um, the reports have been pretty good on, on Mitchell. Um, reports have been good on, on Gaines. Um, um, so it just depends on. We all know that Denzel Ward is going to play. I mean, you, you can't you can't not play your your um, your first round pick. Um, I think Denzel Ward ends up being a superstar in the league, um, and I think he's going to have a breakout year just in this first year and put that discussion of should we have taken the other Chubb and put that to bed and um, as to why we picked this kid. And um, I, I think he'll end up being with the most interceptions. The the only reason why I question Ward. And I love him as a wide receiver. When the pick was made, I was angry. I looked at all the evidence for a week, and then I was like, no. They've got me here. I ward over Chubb all day long because the passing game is where it's at. It's not so much about uh, rushing the passer. The one thing that concerns me about Ward, and I think it might change long term, and he is going to be an incredible shutdown corner, but all his way through college he was taught to play the man, not the ball. And that's the only reason why I think if you're asking me for leading pass breakups, I wouldn't. He's number one, and there is a massive gap between everyone else. I don't know if he'll have the interceptions. And that's the one thing that it won't bother me because if he's breaking up twice as many passes as everyone else, I'm good with that. But uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, Browns player the most tackles, Greg. I think you know, it's a tough one because um, uh, again, it's kind of a um, it's a different conversation for the Browns this year, where you look at the linebacking core and they've got a really strong and there's going to be an odd man out in that group that's a pretty good player. Um, I think you know naturally, I think you you would lean towards Christian Kirksey as being the um, as being the leader there. Um, but I think this is my this is out of the twelve questions. This is my bold this is my bold choice. At the end of the year, it will be the rookie, Avery. That's big, cool. It's it's not as bold as as it sounds. It's, uh, John Costco, who we had on recently, put up some stats, and I'm re- trying to remember two weeks back. So bear with me, and I'll check it out in a few minutes. But I believe, based on his level, he was playing at, in college. He had for linebackers the most tackles for a loss. Hmm. I think Joe Schobert will be in the conversation as well. Um, Jamie Collins, I'm sure, depending on his health. What's your um, three starters? If you had to predict week one, what's the three starters? Because if I had to guess starters, it's the hardest room in our entire roster. What are you going with? And Greg, we're not having a diplomatic answer this time. We want the three names. I, I think it really, I, it, you know, not... Not seeing the, the, the rookie in, in action yet. I think it's hard to, to understand fully. Um, but I, I, see, I see a scenario in which the pro bowler is not the starter in Schobert. Okay, I, I yep. think it could be Avery, um, Christian Kirksey, and Jamie Collins. That's the three. Hmm. Talking about uh, John uh, Costco, um, he actually did some, or uh, well, the PFF did some stuff on the... Uh, uh, callbacks at the rankings of the callbacks this year. Uh, just go over our division. Uh, Big Ben, number six. Guess where uh, uh, Tayrod Taylor came in. He played the 30, 32nd ranked pass defense last year, so I'm going to go with 
anywhere between sort of 20 to the late 20s. Greg, where do you think you came? I'm going to put him in the uh, yeah, in the low uh, the mid 20s, 23, 24, 25, 26. Yeah, 21st rated. A bit more positive there, Jack, a bit of positivity. I think the thing is if he'd have been available in free agency, which was a, a rumor because there was talks about him cutting him last year, will the Bills cut him this year? He was the quarterback I wanted most, not because there's any long-term future with him, but after what we had last year, we want a quarterback that's going to be smart with the ball. He's not going to produce anything wonderful, and if we want to do anything, we're probably looking at at least a top 10 defence, if you want to be talking about the playoffs. But he's going to give us enough, and uh, no, we'll see what happens, but... The quicker we can get onto an exciting quarterback like Baker, the better. <laughs> but Tyrod's going to control the ball, and he's not going to lose you a game. But we need that defense to win us again. Twenty-three, Andy Dalton. Who? Twenty-three, Andy Dalton. Who? Twenty-three, Andy Dalton. I've never heard of him, mate. Okay, good. Uh, rumors is C.J. McCarron. McCarron, the guy that. <laughs> Hugh Jackson wanted to trade a second and third for is third on the Buffalo Bills depth chart <laughs> behind three interceptions, Nate Peterman. And <laughs> he could overthrow a pass that far that when he threw it in Buffalo, it went through Paul Brown's window in London. <laughs> Josh Allen. You know, Andy Dalton's so tough because... Would you have wanted Andy Dalton as your quarterback for the Browns the last 10 years versus what we've had? If if you're asking me for a game, toss a coin which one you want to start, there's a strong argument for I'd have him above what we played. But I would much rather you take that punt on a rookie QB and you... Andy Dalton's not great. What we've had's not great. I would much rather go, let's save that 20 million or that 15 million and ping it into a better offensive line, a better wide receiver group. Because if your quarterback's rubbish, don't pay your quarterback. We've gone through enough quarterbacks, mate. We've gone through. Go through some more. So we could have Andy Dalton for the last, I don't know, what, 10 years? Or have like 20 quarterbacks and you'd have gone with 20 quarterbacks? The only quarterback I fear. In the next five years, in our division, is Lamar Jackson. And I was literally loving that first round. I thought he'd be gone. I even loaded enough money onto a bet that it hurt, that he would be going in the top, I think it was 18. Didn't happen. I lost some money. But what hurt me that night, after we took Baker, was that pick. And I think that is a pick that's going to hurt us for a long time to come because Big Ben's going, they've got nothing. Andy Dalton's already gone, they've got nothing. <laughs> Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco would play for the next 10 years and the Ravens are not going anywhere for the next 10 years. But they've now got an option and I fear that this division is going to turn into Lamar Jackson versus Baker Mayfield for the next five to six years. And that was a fight I did not want. Yeah, Joe uh, Flacco was 30th. Um, yeah, and uh, interestingly, the rookie quarterback rankings. Number one was Sam Darnold. 
I'm joking. It was Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield number one. And, um, yeah, uh, Lamar Jackson number four. I, I, I'm just shocked. Josh Allen's number five. Cole Krabs, who's a uh, fantastic analyst, he, he had sort of a... He had a U-turn at the end of the NFL draft season, and he said, look, a week before the draft, he said, after people begging me, I've gone back and watched some more Josh Allen tape, and I've decided I'm going to move him from undrafted to seventh round. And that is literally how bad the guy is. He's got an incredible arm, and if I wanted someone to sort of go out to a golf driving range and throw a ball as far as possible... He is my first choice within the NFL, but accuracy is more important than being able to throw the ball 80 yards. So let's just feel sorry for Corey Coleman. Just a, a moment of silence to go from the worst quarterback room in 2017 to the worst quarterback room in 2018. Sorry about that. Good, good luck. Mm. All right, guys, I think we're going to start wrapping it up. Uh, Greg, thank you very much for coming in today. It was a pleasure. Really enjoyed it. Good, good. Welcome you to London as well. Thank you. Coming up to a, a year in London, and you're on this first international Cleveland Browns podcast. What a year, hey? Yeah, what a year. What a year. <laughs> <laughs> he started with an NFL game that, for the first half, I was even asked in my first podcast, what was the highlight for following the Browns? And I said, the first half of that game. first half of that game was amazing at Twickenham. The second half was awful. And an interesting stat that came out, uh, the other day from uh, Warren Sharp. How many points do you think the Cleveland Browns scored in the fourth quarter after the eighth week of the season? I'm going to go with 22. 22? What else we got? Greg? Oh, it was painful. Painful. I'm going to say 17. I wish it was that high. Positive pull again. It's, it's, it's not good, guys. It's not good. So hide behind your sofas and get ready. I'm scrolling through Twitter to try and find what it is. Okay, good. So here's your stat. I thought I was right and I am right. It's depressing that I was right. Ten points. <sighs> Week eight onwards in the fourth quarter, we got ten points as the Cleveland Browns. That is diabolical. So, yeah, guys, once again... As we get a bit of a theme to these podcasts, positive Paul and negative Jack. At least you're calling me negative Jack rather than drunk Duffin. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Greg, thank you very much for coming in today. Um, yeah, we've got some um, future things going on. At the moment, it's gone crazy, the podcast. We're getting around 100 downloads a day. So what we're going to try and do is try getting for the next uh, three days a podcast out a day so um, yeah hopefully get one out tomorrow Friday um, the Giants game hard knocks loads of stuff going on so yeah let, let's just, let's go with it apologies um, Jack's show last week he wants all the limelight he just cutted me out of the uh, Skype recording he made my um, mic turned it right down he, he wanted the limelight he said nice things about Hugh so I just uh, I turned it down yeah okay so yeah we think Jack we've worked on that we think we've got that sorted now we think we've got it so our emergency podcast in future should be better but please do let us know guys because we try and balance the audio as best as we can but we're pretty confident we've got it for next time but 
that feedback that you guys give us is valuable and allows us to know what we're doing so please continue to let us know alright guys just want to say a big good night and uh, thank you very much for listening thank you very much guys go Browns cheers